It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. So here's a little update on the whole vaccine situation in the Army. Tomorrow's the day that everybody in my unit has to go in and get the vaccine or we're all getting kicked out. That was the guidance. That's what's put out. So, you know, and I'm not judging anybody based off what they do, whether they get the vaccine or not. I, I don't care. Like, you know, but my thing is, it's like at this point, I didn't feel comfortable getting it this way, being forced to do it or losing my job, losing my stability, you know, losing my benefits. Um, it shouldn't be at that cost, you know? So, um, I was basically told, you know, when I talked to a certain person that don't mess with these people, like verbatim, they said, don't mess with these people. You just gotta conform and do what they say. So, which is true. They will, I, even though I only have a month and a half left, they will extend me to kick me out to take my benefits because I didn't do what they said. That's just how it is. And even me talking about it now, like, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I guess tomorrow's the day I get my vaccine along with all the other people that didn't want to get it. But I mean, I, what, what choice do we have now? You know, lose everything. I've, I've spent eight years in this and lose it all over a vaccine, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but I'll keep y'all updated tomorrow. That was a sergeant, a black sergeant in the U.S. Army, and this was late January when uh, no one came to their rescue. <laughs> I, uh, Sandy Rios with you, by the way. Uh, this uh, this show may be upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting to me today, I'll be, but there's some good stuff, too, so please, please hang on. But you need to know what the lay of the land is. These guys forced, you know, to get vaccinated in the military, forced, or else lose their pension, <clears throat> a dishonorable discharge. Uh, I'm not sure if that ever actually went in. I it, We don't know. I think it did. Oh, I know that uh, valiant members of the Senate, like Marsha Blackburn, uh, pushed to make sure that if they were going to get kicked out of the military and lose their pension and their benefits and all their years, they at least didn't get court-martialed. Yeah, so that was their brave effort, which is nothing. Nothing. Well, all right, the fight has continuing, and I, before I tell you the update of what's happening, and this is actually good news, um, and, and we're in the battle, so I'm going to ask you to help. Um, uh, Dr. Malone was in an interview. Now, this is not fresh, neither was that sergeant's uh, uh, statement just a few minutes ago because they, they had to get vaccinated at the end of January or get out. Uh, so this is the story for probably lots of you listening to me. You know all about this. So uh, you also know about this next part, too. But I just think Dr. Malone put it in the proper perspective. I told you about that military 
um, uh, the stats that they were showing of the effect of the vaccine on military members. But let's let Ro- Dr. Robert Malone lay it out clearly. Here it is. Doctor, there's a lot of talk about a military database of, of that captured adverse reactions and other symptoms that uh, our fighting men and women suffered after having the vaccines. Tell us what you know about that and why that may be important to study going forward. So the DMA, this uh, database, which is the Defense Medical Epidemiologic Database, the acronym is DMED, was uh, something that uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long and some of her colleagues queried when they were busy doing diligence to try to understand what they were seeing with their own warfighter communities that they were uh, um, sworn to protect as physicians. And they were seeing signals that were unusual, and so they consulted the DMED database and uh, were shocked to find uh, enormous increases in 2021 when the vaccine mandates were implemented to the military compared to 2020 in a wide variety of diseases, including cancers, uh, um, uh, things related to reproduction and female reproductive health, of course, the usual cardiomyopathy, stroke, uh, pulmonary embolism, and, and those kinds of things. Some of these increases were in the hundreds of percent, most of them were, and some of them were up to a thousand percent increase. Very uh, alarming. Uh, and um, this was originally disclosed with the Ron Johnson second opinion hearing, and now we're seeing much more uh, detail roll out. But it appears that the response of some of the people at DOD managing this database, which, by the way, is held is being managed by a relatively new company out of Herndon, uh, Virginia, which has foreign ownership. Apparently, the the response was not to try to get to the bottom of it, but to begin uh, modifying the fields to make it look like the uptick signal wasn't so significant. Let me be clear. Your senator, your congressman, almost 100% of them did nothing. These are preliminary results on members of the military and the effect on them from the vaccines. Incomplete as it is, it is horrendous. You know, I think I told you, what, three, two days ago, that I spent, uh, I I wrote a long letter to my congressman, who made all kinds of bloviating excuses to me, uh, and also talking about all these amendments that he had sponsored for this and that in terms of the mandates, which meant nothing. He knew they could not pass. It was nothing, nothing, nothing. They have done nothing. The only people that have actually tried to do something are Ron Johnson and the handful of people that you know about, uh, and Chip Roy and the Freedom Caucus. In fact, let me just give them credit. Uh, because the Freedom Caucus is doing a shout-out right now to the Congress to defund the mandates. Uh, so the, the Freedom Caucus and, like, the 59 members of Congress, that's, that's, those are the only champions we've had. That's it. That's it. And so um, I'm going to give you – I'm going to bring you to today, because today something important is happening in the Senate. But before I do that, let me just say that in regard to the military specifically, Chip Roy has introduced a bill – that will protect discharged military <clears throat> members over the vaccines. 
What will the bill do? It will prohibit federal funds from being used to require a member of the armed forces to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. It will require the secretary to reinstate members of the armed forces who wish to return to duty at the same rank. It requires the secretary to still count the service members' time separated from the military towards their retirement benefits. It requires the secretary to expunge from the service members' records any adverse action due to refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay, now, uh, this is a wonderful effort by Chip Roy. Will it pass in Nancy Pelosi's house? Well, what do you think? But the people that are supporting it, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Michael Cloud from Texas, Bill Poisey from Florida, Matt Rosendale, Mon- Montana, Louis Gomer from Texas, and others, uh, I-, I applaud Chip Roy's effort just to keep fighting. But now that brings us to the larger battle. I've been talking to you probably for the last seven days, I'm thinking, about the fact that uh, the government has to be funded. And the uh, deadline is uh, coming. I think it's tonight. I'm sorry. I, I don't have time to get into the details. I, there is so much information this morning. But it's, I think it's maybe tonight at midnight. I'm not sure. But it's coming up. So the Senate is scrambling. The House has already passed uh, a bill funding everything that, you know, that Joe Biden wants and Nancy Pelosi wants everything. Uh, with the uh, Freedom Caucus and maybe a few extra people fighting like crazy to stop it. But now it's gone to the Senate, where we have, you know, a basically a 50-50 split. But, you know, the problem is that Mitch McConnell and, you know, John Thune and, uh, oh, I could make a whole list because it's almost all of them. It's uh, 50 minus 6 or 7 who, you know, don't, you know, they don't want it. That, that's really, con- that's hard. We might... It might shut the government down, and we can't uh, defund the mandates. We we got to fund we got to fund the government, you know. And so there's a battle. Uh, so these seven senators have found a niche niche, and they are uh, they are doubling down, and they're doubling down. Uh, this is again technical, so I'm not I'm not even going to try to explain. It. Let me just say that they are looking to do a short term funding bill called the CR, and they can't do a CR without uh, the votes from uh, these seven senators can stop a vote on a short-term funding bill by forcing a vote on the mandates. And that's the battle. And there actually is a battle going on in the Senate right now about, uh, in fact, uh, this is from, let's see, who is this from this morning? This might be Freedom Works. I think it is. Uh, pres- yes, yes. Uh, Senator Schumer is trying to ram through Pelosi's CR. That's the short-term funding bill because they're coming up on a deadline. Uh, to fund Biden's unconstitutional vaccine mandates to the U.S. Senate. So, uh, Senator Graham, now this is what you need to know. We have a couple of uh, Republican senators who just, you know, they've got other stuff to do, so they're not there for the vote today. And, you know, it's busy. You know, they're busy. They've got pulls on their schedules. They have such important men, and for the most part, men. And uh, so much, some of them are missing, like Senator Lindsey Graham. He's on a taxpayer pundit trip to Israel. And so uh, FreedomWorks is, uh, we've investigated this. I've been talking to them about this. He has enough time to get back. The plane would bring him back. And so uh, many people are demanding that Senator Graham get back to work right now. And uh, and so if you could, it's a good time to call his office. It would be, and you don't have to be from South Carolina. And actually, it would be a good time to call all of your senators, your favorite senators, and say, vote to defund the mandates. Vote to defund the mandates, defund the mandates, defund the mandates. And, you know, use the information from the 
uh, from this uh, military uh, study where they showed the damage it's doing to the military alone. What do you think? You think it's not harming federal workers? You think it's not harming medical workers that don't have a choice? You think it's just the military? No. I mean, it's a it's an equal opportunity uh, va- vaccine. It seems to be harming people across the spectrum. And so the fact that they will not defund it is outrageous. It's outrageous. And we should, we should melt the phone lines. I've asked you to go to... Um, uh, sorry, my brain's got too much in it. it uh, I'll think of it in just a second. But I've, you, you, 20, we've had at least 23 million uh, communications to the Senate through that. It, say that again, Devin. Yes, yes, it's called, thank you. It's Align Act, A-L-I-G-N Act, Align, A-L-I-G-N Act, and it says Stop the Mandates. That's the number one uh, cam, uh, campaign on their page, and that's still good. I, I still, you could do that. That would be great. Do it right now. If you haven't done it, do it. It's very simple to do. Uh, and then in addition to that, call your senator and demand it, demand it. This is not a game. This is people's lives and their livelihood. What are they doing? Why is Lindsey Graham off in Israel and others, uh, you know, can't be bothered? They're busy today. Uh, So uh, they they need to just, um, we need to hold them to account. And I know that you will. Uh, By the way, I know that I'm reading this. This is from, um, oh, an Inside the Beltway notification on what's happening in the Senate today. Uh, and so, yeah, it is tomorrow, it is tonight that they run out of money. And so they're trying to do this short-term funding bill. And so Senator, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell are trying to work out an agreement that would allow votes on several amendments. And one of those amendments is to defund the mandates. Uh, but um, they're, they're so, oh, you know what, that's the procedure. I'm not going to get into that. Let me just tell you, there are seven different senators who are trying to stop this. And... Um, uh, Mike Lee is one of them. Uh, uh, Rand Paul is one of them. Um, Mike Braun is one of them. Sorry, can't think fast enough because I hear the music, but um, just know that there are seven. That's it. And so and the House Freedom Caucus is urging Senate Republicans to defund the president's mandates, and it's happening today in the Senate, and uh, now is the time. This is the last day. Uh, to really strong-arm them. And indeed, they need to be strong-armed. What is the matter with them? I was in a meeting yesterday, and they were saying uh, they were supposed to have some really important vote, and it might have been about this. I'm sorry that I can't remember what. But one of these senators uh, was upset because it was 8.30, and it was past his bedtime, and he was upset that they wouldn't adjourn. He was just, he had to get home and, you know, get his uh, beauty rest, I guess. This is where we are. This is where we are. So hold their feet to the fire. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The Raising Godly Boys Minute with Mark Hancock. Do you like to run? Most people don't. To excel, the sport requires training, endurance, determination. In some ways, parenting is a lot like running a race. But the parenting race is more similar to a marathon than a sprint. When our boys are young, it feels like we're providing constant instruction and correction. We wonder, will this ever end? But before you know it, you've rounded the corner and faced the teen years. You encounter new hurdles, attitudes, challenges, weariness, discouragement. Regardless of where you're at in the parenting race, don't quit. Because the Lord entrusted you with training your son, he will provide you the strength to victoriously finish the race. For help and encouragement along the way, visit Trail Life USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com.
Download free resources to help you at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. To Kill a Mockingbird has been removed from the reading list in a Washington school district. Educators say the beloved classic is racially insensitive. The book written by Harper Lee tells the story of a black man falsely accused of attacking a white woman, a novel that opened the eyes of generations to racism in the Deep South, now banned by the cancel culture mob. I wrote a book detailing the attacks on our American culture, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. Books, movies, statues, music, all banned by those who preach about tolerance and diversity. The truth is, they don't want tolerance or diversity. Any word or thought or deed that runs contrary to their groupthink is outlawed. The problem is that many people don't want to fight back. They don't want to become a target. The problem with that notion is if we don't fight back, we won't have a country. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. There's almost a billion dollars a year going into FDA's budget from the people we um, regulate. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. Yep. So that's uh, undercover video by Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, and he rises again. It's amazing. You know, his office was flooded. Uh, he was, uh, uh, the, the FBI came in and seized his information, his private stuff, and he's just an indomitable. And God bless him. You know, he, I could just tell you, personally, James is just such a, uh, I've known him since he was young. He's got so much integrity. Uh, and uh, I just admire what he's doing. So now they've gone to the FDA and done undercover video. And that person's voice, that was Christopher Cole. He's an FDA executive officer. And boy, does he say damning things. He just said in there, that's actually a tease on the next video that's coming out, maybe today. And that is that they're receiving, you know, millions and millions of dollars from 
uh, from, um, let's say, the medical industry, from all kinds of people that want their products to be sold, that uh, there's tons of money to be made, and so the FDA is doing their bidding. It's basically what he's saying, but it gets worse than that uh, because um, he is in this clip going to tell you that the, the goal of the FDA and Anthony Fauci and all the rest of the criminally almost insane people trying to run the medical part of our world right now, they want everyone to have to get an annual vaccine, including babies. And that's what he's going to say. Just listen. This is FDA Executive Officer Christopher Cole. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet because they don't want to, like, uh, rile everyone up. Is so, it going to be formally announced? Yeah, yeah, at some point. I mean, it's going to be, uh, uh, and some of it's been talked about publicly, but it has been talked about on, like, CNN or Fox or MSNBC or anything. Um, but, yeah, it'll, 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 you'll have to get uh, an annual. I think um, what's going to happen is um, it's going to be a gradual thing. School's going to mandate it. Why do they need the third one? Well, the same reason um, that you or I would need the third one, to, because the, the vaccine, um, it wanes. Mm-hmm. Um, your ability to fight it, it wanes. So the three will bolster your, your system. And then there will be an annual, um, eventually an annual, just like the flu shot. For the toddlers? Well, for everyone. Okay, so the toddlers too then. We'll have to get it Probably. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's in the future. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. That might involve more, uh, more studies. The FDA was scheduled to meet this week to discuss approval of the Pfizer vaccine for children as young as six months old. They were hoping to have the new vaccine available by the end of the month, but the meeting was unexpectedly canceled, citing the need for more testing. You guys have been in the news a lot the last couple of days. Yeah, we're looking at um, trying to prove. Um, I don't completely agree with their the process. They're looking at trying to inoculate um, um, kids under five years old, mm-hmm. between six months and five years old. What do you mean you don't agree with the process? Well, I mean they um, they don't have all the all the tests aren't there. So I agree with the thing that it is important to inoculate them. Um, but you can't provide the, um, the parent as much um, assurity as you normally want to. Despite Cole's concerns regarding the... All right. Well, yeah, that's obviously part of the main clip. We'll put the whole thing, by the way, on our Getter account so that you can watch it because he says incredible things. He talks about this vaccine. If they, you know, They're going to want everybody to be vaccinated every year. That's, that's going to be the goal, including babies, okay? And uh, he said it'll be recurring fountain of revenue. He talks about it'll be in the billions. So, you know, they're, they're going to do this thing. That is probably a big reason why they're doing this thing right now. Plus, I do think that they just don't have any regard for life, none regard for life whatsoever. But if we let them get away with what they're getting away with now, this is what's going to happen. And we know it, that the, the, the veil is off. He talks about in that conversation, what you didn't hear is, he talks about how, you know, the, the, even the children's vaccine will be put in place by this emergency authorization. And uh, that means the standards are lower for testing. And, you know, but, you know, that's an emergency use author because it's an emergency, you see. So many of our babies are getting COVID and dying. It's just an emergency. And please, you know, I'm kidding, right? You know enough to know that I just lied. That That, that is absolutely not true. It is not an emergency. And so this uh, disgusting, uh, disgusting, dark play continues. 
Uh, and that's uh, something else that James has just exposed through uh, Project Veritas. Or right, that reminds me, you know, that takes us up to um, Canada, where you get to see the uh, you get to see a number of people playing out this dark drama. And speaking of a dark drama, we now know who the hacker was for Give Send Go. We know because he's very proud of it. Uh, he came out, I believe, on, um, let's see, what's that outlet? Uh, on TikTok. And made some statements that I thought you might, well, look, it, so much of it is so vulgar that we, I'm sure that Adam has bleeped it. Uh, but you need to get an idea of what we're up against here, okay? This is the reasonable, rational, sane hacker who made everyone that gave even the smallest donation, they are pushing this out all over the news in Canada. CB, uh, Canadian Broadcasting is participating, and they're gleefully, uh, you know, call, people are losing their jobs already for giving uh, very small donations. Uh, and that, so, you know, there is a hell to pay for trying to help these truckers. And this hacker is really proud that he did it. Let's listen. His name is Aubrey Cottle. Let's listen. <laughs> Nothing scares me. Nothing. Yes, I doxed the truckers. I did it. It was me. I hacked Give, Send, Go, baby. And I do it again. I do it a hundred times. I did it. I did it. Come at me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? I hacked Epic Hosting! I hacked Parlor! I hacked Gab! I hacked Truth Social! I hacked Go! Give, send, go! I don't care! I'm, you can literally put my name into the news tab on Google! And you can find everything I've done! I am literally in every mainstream media publication for the things that I do! I'm not an unknown actor. I'm literally a famous cyber terrorist. And you think that you could scare me? Well, he says a lot more, but we don't need to hear the rest of it. I, you know, it reminds me when I, uh, this was the first experience I'd been, I had of this. When I was on the air in Chicago, I started getting, at the time, we didn't have <laughs> Twitter. We had email. I started getting email um, from homosexual activists at the time because I talked about that a lot. Uh, it was a big, it was a huge topic. It still is, and I have never gotten. Uh, well, it got worse when I got to D.C., but this was my first initiation. But it was um, wicked insanity. It was the most vile things that you and I could not even think up. Uh, wishing me dead in all kinds of ways, harm to my children. Um, and then, of course, it got worse. I, when I met Bruce in D.C., he used to read some of the tweets that I would get. And and it, so it occurred to me, because it wasn't hard to figure out, that this is so demonic. This really is. All of this, whatever this, you know, this uh, hateful, I hate to even use that word, they've so degradated the real meaning of that. This perverse enjoyment of destructing, of destroying people, this harming of people and babies and children and lives and disregard and hatred of human life and human person, uh, which comes from Satan himself. And I think it would be, you'd be hard pressed to argue against the fact that Aubrey Cottle 
uh, is manifesting demonic, demonic um, persona. Uh, it just uh, it, who who talks like that? Who screams like that? It's uh, it's just amazing. So he's uh, according to Jacob Wells, who is the co-founder or the founder of Give Sin Go. Uh, the cyber attack was a really rapid dissemination, well orchestrated, and most of us believe it was in cooperation with the Canadian government because uh, they got out all those names. And of course, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting, that is, it's like BBC. It's like the big voice in Canada. There's not an alternative. Fox News is there, but you <clears throat> you have to work hard to find it. <clears throat> not everyone gets it. <clears throat> Rebel News is a great source right now. I was going to play you. <clears throat> Please excuse me. I was going to play um, uh, uh, something from Rebel News this morning, and it's already gone. You know, they you you. It's very hard to get things off. If you're really watching this, though, go to Rebel News, uh, and you will find uh, lots of good information. Now, I want to play something else for you. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, that reminds me of another thing. <clears throat> In the same course of this, Canadian justice. Sorry, Canadian Justice Minister David Lametti was doing an interview with uh, CTV. Now that must be that must be another outlet. I don't fully understand. It's not Canadian Broadcasting, but I did notice that the uh, interviewer challenged him a bit, <clears throat> and he's asking him what's going to happen to citizens that gave money to the truckers through these outlets, the Gibson Go and others, uh, and um, he he just kept he said, "But you mean even if they gave like." like $100 or they're going to lose their jobs? Well, what recourse? Do they have any way to fight back? Is there anything they can do? Um, and uh, among the many other things that Canadian Justice Minister David Lametti said was, well, if you are a member of a pro-Trump movement who is donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to this kind of thing, then you ought to be worried. Uh, so the point the main point has been made that these, these uh, leftist uh, dictator rulers of Canada never talk about the virus. They're not talking about the dangers because the truth is there's not danger anymore. It's dropping in Canada just like it's dropping here. Not that there's no danger. We'll get into that because I have a really concerning email this morning from one of you uh, because the residue remains, but it is dwindling. Thank God. It's certainly not an emergency uh, in, as a general rule, over the whole population, but these uh, these justice ministers they they don't care about that. They're happy. They just they're, they're so ideological against um, President Trump, who was for the whole Western world really a champion of nationalism, loving your country, your each every country, uh, a champion of freedom, of strong uh, strong military, of uh, you know the original documents of the countries, and they hate him for that. So um, if you're a member of the pro-Trump movement who's donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to this kind of thing, then you ought to be worried. Okay, so thank you, sir. We appreciate that little warning. And then um, yesterday in the Canadian House of Commons, I want you to hear, now this is going to take some time, and I, I know I could just play a little excerpts from this, but I actually wanted you to hear the, the kind of the full effect of this. Uh, the, uh, Justin Trudeau was in Parliament and they have their, uh, I, I don't know if this is called the question and answer session. I don't know if this particular session yesterday was that, but it was conducted like that. And uh, so Melissa Lanceman, um this is not, let's see, let me, let me take this, uh, I got to get this in order. 
Uh, Melissa Lanceman is one of the members of Parliament, and she stands uh, to make the case against Justin Trudeau. He's sitting right there. Let's listen to that one first. That's clip five. This is live in the Canadian Parliament yesterday. Optimistic, hopeful vision for public life isn't a naive dream. It could be a powerful force for change. If Canadians are to trust their government, their government needs to trust Canadians. Those are the words of the Prime Minister in 2015. These people, very often misogynistic, racist, women haters, science deniers, the fringe. Same Prime Minister six years later as he fans the flames of an unjustified national emergency. So, Mr. Speaker, when did the Prime Minister lose his way? When did it happen? You're right, Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, Conservative Party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. We will choose to stand with Canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs, who be able to get their lives back. These illegal protests need to stop, and they will, Mr. Speaker. I just want to remind the honourable members, including the honourable right honourable prime minister, to use words that are not inflammatory in the house, and that's for both sides. The honourable member for Thornhill. All right. So, so just to be clear, Melissa Lanceman basically challenges the uh, prime minister and says, "When did you go? When did you lose your way?" And the prime minister responds by saying, "If you want to stand." Uh, with swastikas. You want to stand with swastikas. Okay, so Dane Lloyd stands, and I think that's the honorable member that was just introduced before I interrupted this clip. Uh, And you guys, let's keep the thing rolling until the end of this clip, please. We'll be a little bit late. This is clip six. This is Dane Lloyd asking Prime Minister Trudeau to apologize. Let's listen. Member for Sturgeon River Parkland. Mr. Speaker, I've never seen such shameful and dishonorable remarks coming from this Prime Minister. My great-grandfather flew over 30 missions over Nazi Germany. My great-great-uncle's body lies at the bottom of the English Channel. There are members of this Conservative caucus who are the descendants of victims of the Holocaust. For the Prime Minister to accuse any colleague in this House of standing with the swastika is shameful. I'm giving the Prime Minister an opportunity. I'm calling on him to unreservedly apologize for this shameful remark. The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, Canadians deserve their freedoms back. Mr. Speaker, these illegal blockades that have continued to interfere with people's livelihoods, to interfere with people's uh, people's daily lives, uh, have... I have to interrupt the Honourable Prime Minister, so ask everyone to calm down so we can hear the answer. The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker... The measures put forward in this uh, Emergencies Act are proportional, are responsible, and quite frankly, uh, are completely folded within the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. The steps that we are taking are important and measured to restore order and freedoms to Canadians in this country. That is exactly what we are doing. Well, Member for Sturgeon River, Parkland. Mr. Speaker, the lack of an apology from that Prime Minister speaks 
volumes. I have given this Prime Minister an opportunity to retract a shameful remark where he would accuse any honourable member of this House to stand with a swastika. As I said before, we have colleagues who are the descendants of victims of the Holocaust. I'm giving the Prime Minister one more chance. Will he apologize to all members of this House? That's the right honourable Prime Minister. All right, and we're going to run it on because Dane Lloyd then stands up again. Let's listen to the next clip, clip seven. Mr. Speaker, even as the members of the Conservative Party are calling to, uh, to us to take more action over the past two weeks on this, uh, they continued to stand with and encourage these illegal blockades. Mr. Speaker, uh, Canadians uh, are watching carefully and see exactly where the Conservative politicians who've stood with uh, those blockades uh, are standing. We will stand on the side of Canadians who deserve their lives back, who deserve their livelihoods back. Member for Sturgeon River, Parkland. My apologies, Mr. Speaker. I didn't write these out. But the fact is, I don't know how any member of the government caucus can stand by this Prime Minister when he accuses honourable members of this House of standing with a swastika. I'm calling on all members of the Liberal caucus to denounce the Prime Minister. I have given him two chances to apologize. He has refused to apologize. Mr. Prime Minister, apologize. Once again, I want to remind the honourable members, I know this is getting emotional, but place your questions through the Speaker, not directly to each other. The right honourable Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. These illegal blockades have been going on in Ottawa for 20 days now. Uh, people have been, uh, uh, have been interrupted in their daily lives, have been made to feel fearful, have been made uh, to uh, miss shifts uh, at their work in, across southern Ontario. These are things that cannot be stood for, which is why we're moving forward with a responsible set of measures to allow the local police jurisdiction to do their jobs. We continue to defend freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, as long as it's peaceful and legal, Mr. Speaker. All right, and so then last but not least, Melissa, Melissa Lanceman, who was the MP that stood up first and asked the Prime Premier what had happened to him. Uh, and then he comes back at her by saying, if you want to stand with a swastika, and that's what started this, she stands to defend herself. Melissa Lanceman, MP, let's listen. Thornhill. Mr. Speaker, I am a strong Jewish woman and a member of this house and a descendant of Holocaust survivors, and I have never made to, I've, it's never been singled out, and I have never been made to feel less, except for today when the Prime Minister accused me of standing with swastikas. I think he owes me an apology. I'd like an apology, and I think he owes an apology to all members of this house. All right. So, I okay, you can run the music, you guys. I, that was just amazing. I didn't want to really break it up. I wanted you to hit the passion there. How dare he? This is unbelievable. It really is. And meanwhile, the truckers, they're still standing. And I just saw last night a long video of them. They're still by the parliament. They're still cheerful. And meanwhile, their bank accounts are being closed. They don't have access to their money. The bill that was passed relieves the banks of any kind of responsibility or if they, you know, if something bad happens that they have no money to feed their families, their children, they cannot be sued. The banks are cooperating. 
Uh, many of the truckers, some of them at least, are losing their jobs. It's, it is really a crisis. It really is. We need to pray for our Canadian brothers. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this, besides I have so much passion for it, is this is a foreboding of things to come. This is a taste of the way things are going to go if we don't fight in this country now. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. When you see somebody is hurting, when they are isolated, when it seems like everyone has turned away, you turn back, but you come to them with something in your hands. You bring them something to say to them, I love you, that's going to be in their hands when you walk away so they won't forget your message. Amen. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for Courage When Friends Disappoint You on the next Turning Point Weekend Edition. Listen to Turning Point, Sunday mornings at 7 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The Biden administration created a nearly $30 million grant program to fund crack pipe distribution through nonprofits and local governments as part of its plan to advance racial equity. The funds are for, quote, smoking kits and supplies, end quote. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, these kits will provide pipes for users to smoke crack cocaine, crystal meth, and any illicit substance to reduce the risk of infection when smoking substances with glass pipes. Grant applicants are prioritized if they treat a majority of, quote, underserved communities, end quote, including African Americans and LGBTQ plus persons. Biden equity is crack pipes for the hood. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. How do we change a nation? One heart at a time. The Ministry of Preborn not only shares heartbeats, but shares hearts by loving women in crisis and leading them to Christ. When this mother came to a preborn center, she was scared and not sure she could afford another child. It was just a scary time for us, having my daughter, how that would impact our lives. When I came here, it was just so amazing to come to an environment where someone would actually pray for me and guide me through my battles that I was facing during that time. After receiving love, support, and the gospel of Christ, this mom chose life for her daughter. You can be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. For $140, sponsor five ultrasounds and you'll receive a story and pictures of babies' lives that were spared. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. Your gift is tax deductible. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. A revered friend of mine has just survived the latest of myriad surgeries as part of many months of desperate attempts to save his life. To protect his privacy, let's call him Tim. Tim is one of the most brilliant national security practitioners of his generation. 
He's a distinguished veteran of combat overseas and the bureaucratic wars in Washington. Tim's experience mirrors what's been happening to the country he loves so deeply and has served so well. Like America, he's been racked by disease, debilitating hardships, and skyrocketing costs. Also like the USA, Tim is tenaciously fighting to survive the forces of darkness working to take him down. His heroic courage is an inspiration to those of us who love him and a hopeful sign that our nation will pull through too. Please join me in praying for Tim and for America. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. Just uh, several important but short things. This is interesting because Twitter has refused to allow sharing any of Hunter Biden's laptop story because they claim it was hacked information. But Twitter is now placing the names of all the hacked names of the Canadian truck donors, spreading it as far and wide as they can. Okay, so just a little item for your information. And another irony, during the War of uh, American War of Independence, George Washington had an account at the Bank of England. His money was not seized. The belief at that time was that the government could not seize private property absent due process and a judicial proceeding. More freedom in England and during the revolution than in Canada now? Is that not ironic? It's amazing. All right. Uh, this I want to address right up front here. I just saw this yesterday. I don't know if Tracy is listening, and we will contact him directly. Maybe some of you can help. He said, I need help. My wife was given remdesivir and had kidney failure when she had COVID. Next thing I know, she's on a ventilator and dialysis from kidney failure. I have her full medical chart, and no one here in Missouri seems to want to help. They also lost her 31-year wedding ban, which is the only wish she ever wanted was to have it on if anything ever happened to her. She never had any kidney issues ever. Please, I pray you can lead me to someone that can help. Thank you. Tracy, I just hear, it's obvious to me, well, that's a silly statement. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is now. You sent this uh, February the fourteenth. It's the seventeenth, and uh, with I, I don't know anyone specifically in Missouri right now. If any of you do, if any of you do, you can call me right now. Just call us right now and tell us. Uh, we may not say you may not uh, put you on the air, but tell us if there's someone in Missouri who is treating people uh, with uh, ivermectin and uh, the the vitamins and helping them survive this. If you know of anyone in Missouri, give us a call. Our phone number is. 888-589-8840. Hey, put those things back up on the screen, please, Adam. I was going to mention that too. 888-589-8840. Uh, the other thing, practically speaking, Tracy, these are things I've said over and over, and I'm so sorry you didn't have this at your fingertips. Frontline doctors. Frontline doctors is where you go online. Frontline doctors. And they'll find some for, someone for you in Missouri. Frontline doctors. And the other place possible is it's pro- I mean, it's probable, it just depends on where you go. It's FLCCC, Frontline Critical Care, FLCCC.net. They will help you also. And then also the third one, there's another one, MyFreeDoctor.com. That's Dr. Ben Marble. They will find someone to treat you. Uh, is that the number on the screen there, Adam, to give from Frontline Doctors? 
Do you know, Devin? Well, what what is the number? All right, there's a number on the screen, and it's not explained for me, but I'm guessing it's... I asked the guys to look for something, so I'm just guessing this is a proper number. It's... And that's gone. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, Tracy... Um, we will put this on our getter account. I know that's just so many loops, uh, jump hoops to jump through, uh, but we will do that. And then you can remember, hopefully, Frontline Doctors or FLCCC. All right. Uh, and we'll try to get you some help. I think there's, there's some people on the line right now. Maybe they can help with some numbers or specifics. All right. Um, this is from, uh, I want to take time to read this because this is from, uh, let's see, Mike. Uh, Mike is... Um, I talked about a government shutdown last week, and I talked about how worthless federal workers are. <laughs> well, and of course, that's a very broad-sweeping comment, and uh, you know that I sometimes I speak like that because, for the most part, federal workers are pretty worthless from my perspective, and my husband was one of them, so <laughs> don't get too offended. And plus, most of my friends are, you know, in D.C., many of them are federal workers, so understand that I know that's not everyone. Uh, but but Mike uh, was offended, and, and I understand that, because then let me speak up uh, for other federal workers who really do um, work hard. Um, because I was saying that if the government shut down, we wouldn't miss federal workers. And my, uh, Mike says, yes, I can see shutting down the government, but I am a data analyst. My job is to review grants, loans, and federal spending on many programs and projects. I track in excess of $500 billion in spending. I've been home since uh, March of 2020. I've also found in excess of $5 million in fraud in one instance and over $200 million in another. Colleagues I work with have found in excess of $400 million or fraudulent doctors who falsify medical exams. I take my responsibility seriously. I work for the American taxpayer. I do what I do as unto Jesus every day. So please, when you characterize feds as sitting at home doing nothing— Understand there are many of us who did not stop just because our work, he goes out, he don't goes on to say, I took out a personal expense to buy technology to be able to work properly at home. Uh, probably he'll never recoup that. And he said, I know there are many that follow that standard. And uh, so uh, he says, we are not slackers. We are not atheists. <laughs> we are not all unconcerned with where our country is headed. Pray for those of us that God has left the in the federal government, who put him first, that we will always in every situation put him first above our paychecks. Thank you for all you do. Well, Mike, what could I say to add to that? I appreciate you uh, correcting me, at least my my rhetoric, to bring balance to it, because I know it's true. I know it's true. I don't need to repeat it. And many are champions. And I know that you understand, based on what I just read, that there are lives at stake here, so we may have to shut down the government in order to save lives. And you sound like you understand that, and I'm so grateful uh, so, thank you for that challenge. <laughs> now, let me go to, uh, let's see, I'm, we're still waiting. We got a couple of calls there, and I'm hoping that somebody will come through with some specific uh, advice here. <laughs> this is from um, Patricia. She says, Sandy, things get real when you actually see everything you talk about coming to your hometown and happen to not, not just one, but multiple family and friends. She sent me several links, and now we're not going to have time to really go through those, but in Columbus, Mississippi, a man uh, fighting for his life, and a second uh, from Tupelo reporting the same story. And then uh, North Mississippi Medical Center purchased iPads so family members can speak with their loved ones. There's a whole report about that. You know, they bring them in on these. Oh, that's nice. I guess that's thoughtful. It was donated by Toyota, but 
the point is that the protocols from the uh, from Dr. Fauci are that loved ones cannot, for the most part, cannot come in and see their COVID dying family members. So they're going to give them iPads. That's a that's how ridiculous this has gotten. Uh, and then um, there is an article. There's a story about a couple in Tupelo. I'm not sure if this is Tupelo or Columbus, but they're both in Mississippi. The wife died in Tupelo, and the husband is fighting for his life here in Columbus. So they both got COVID and went to different facilities. And they were worried about going to the hospital, she said. Neither received the treatment that could save their lives. And she said, I think the wife has, yeah, the wife died, and the husband is still fighting for his life. This is, I know this is still happening. Look at the what this is our our friend our listener Tracy from Missouri. This is happening to him today, even as we speak. Yes, it's happening because these protocols are killing people. And I have a long clip. Another uh, listener sent me a clip of a nurse who testified before Ron Johnson's committee. Oh, how I wish we had time to play this, and I'll save it. Maybe we'll have a chance to play it next week. We'll put that the full clip on our uh, Getter account. It's a a, a nurse named. Nicole Sirotek, Sirotek. And uh, she really spells out in great detail, she's not just a nurse, although just a nurse sounds like an insult, but she's a fully qualified nurse who has also, I think, her uh, her degree in bio, biochemistry and other things. She's very, very smart as she articulates what's happening and how remdesivir is actually killing people. And I think she said that if people stay in it more than three days, I shouldn't repeat it without remembering, but it's just such a say it's very dangerous, does terrible things to their bodies. And yet that's the protocol prescribed by the FDA and the NIH and Dr. Anthony Fauci. It's still in place. And hospitals are still doing this because they're making millions and millions of dollars doing it. They're making millions and millions of dollars giving remdesivir, putting people on ventilators, uh, and classifying them as COVID patients. It's still happening, and it has to stop. And that's why one of the reasons why you need to contact your senator today and tell them no excuses. Go get in your seat and get into the Senate and vote against mandates. Stop these mandates. Stop it. And just remember, if they don't do it, remember that there is an election coming up. And don't forget, we need to get people out who've been sitting in those seats and who have shown now to you, revealed their real heart, and it's dark and disgraceful. Sandy Rios in the morning on AM Heart Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.